Thank you so much for tuning in. My name is Mark Rayshap. This is Another Bottle Down on Co-op Radio, K-O-O-P, Hornsby, Austin, 91.7. Today I'm joined in the studios of Co-op with Sergio Quadra, who is Director of Winemaking for Fall Creek Vineyards. And I'm really looking forward to having an in-depth conversation on the state of Texas wine. And we're going to try and uh, expel some of the misconceptions around uh, what is going on in the state of Texas. So Sergio, welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much, uh, Mark. Uh, it's a real honor to yeah. be here. Excellent. Let's start just by talking a little bit about the scope of Fall Creek and, and what you do there. Um, maybe broad brushstrokes, and we'll start to dig in a little bit. Yeah, uh, absolutely. We um, got together back in uh, 2013, and um, we started working uh, as soon as I arrived and uh, uh, as, a, as, as head of winemaking, um, I came here for a short time originally, you know, to, to just, you know, uh, have a trial period. I didn't know what to expect. So you were making wine in Chile at the time. Right. And, um, and, and so, well, we got together, a common friend of ours, uh, put us together. That's Paul Hopps. Yeah. Um, that he connected us and we started Skyping from, from Chile, you know, yeah. and we decided to, to, uh, give it a shot. And uh, I came here for, for a short time for three months yeah. and well, but soon after, I mean, I got here, uh, into the, I, I could say uh, one of the best couples, Ed and Susan Oller, yeah. uh, the warmest, uh, of welcomes here to Texas. So, uh, soon after arriving, I knew that, that, that this is gonna, this was going to be something term. for the long term. Yeah. yeah. So what were, did you, when you were in Chile and, and, you know, I guess Paul Hobbs says, hey, I, you know, I want you to meet some folks in Texas. What was going on in, in your mind? I mean, thinking, you know, what were your preconceived notions? And uh, <laughs> was Actually, it kind of like this jump into like, I don't, you know, what is this? Uh, you know, I didn't have any notion of it. Right. Uh, that's the truth. Um, I started digging, I started, you know, researching and, and, you know, you know, Googling, of course, yeah. uh, what about Texas wines? I didn't know they, they were making, uh, Texas, uh, I mean, wines here in Texas. So, and this is in what year? Uh, 2013, 2013, okay, 2013. Yeah. I mean, you know, this, this summer, I mean, summer of 2013. Right. Um, so, and the first thing that you notice is how warm right. it is, right? Yeah. And uh, the temperature charts that I got uh, were kind of scary. Okay. You know, because in a cooler region, now I know that Chile has cooler regions. Right. I mean, there's not such a thing as a hot weather region in Chile right. compared to what happens here in Texas. So when you um, look at the, uh, the temperature charts, um, that's the first skepticism. Uh, arising and you, you know? did that in Chile you, right you, yeah so I came here like um, someone visiting a very strange place so yeah. to speak but basically because of the temperature uh, the image of Texas we have there I had there is a deserty, deserty so, uh, right. area you know kind of Arizona or something yeah. you know um, other than a few stops in Dallas Airport that was it right. pretty much for me so um, uh, so anyway, uh, can, but can, can you describe to listeners why the heat is um, a scary thing for the vine? Well, th th I'm going. Yeah, I'm going okay, there. We'll get yeah. there. <laughs> because um, yeah, when when you get, I mean, when you have the the experience of working in a cooler weather area, 
um, and and I had to make wines in Chile for the previous 19 years. Uh, whenever we get a heat wave, yeah, like 95 degrees uh, for a couple of days, uh, you see that the plants suffer, really suffer. About, I mean, through, throughout this uh, phenomenon, and um, and you can see an aftermath. You know, uh, even in the wines, right. you can taste wines that that come from a struggling vineyard because of the high temperatures and those high high temperatures may remain like for a couple of days maybe one day maybe three days and that's it and then the rest of the season it's normal and yet you get the effects of that you can see it on the plants and the leaves and shoots etc and you can even see it in the wines so with that in mind you come here looking at the charts and you say, wow, how is it even possible? So you almost expected to see struggling vineyards. and Exactly. Uh, uh, exactly. I mean, I was, yeah, I, we went directly to, to the vineyards uh, the day I arrived. Right. And um, uh, by the way, it, it was like in the 30s in Chile when I left. <laughs> right, right. And it was 103 here. Yeah, right. So it's, it's the kind of heat uh, that for me was for the first time. It's the kind of heat that you need, I mean, your body needs to, understand you need to process so to speak um anyway we went to the vineyards and um uh, i was expecting to to see struggling vines and uh, all sorts of symptoms i was going to tell them see this is this is what (laughs) you know this is what makes it difficult here right so instead of that um i just found normal looking plants uh happy green shiny colors um even those grapes that were exposed to the sun because you know in the vineyard you, you get uh, grapes in the canopy, right? Um, but but you know every every few um, feet you get you know clusters that, that are exposed to the sun, right? Um, and they were fine. They were uh, so I asked. And, and we should say that the danger of that uh, uh, direct sun could be uh, you get burnt the sunburn. Oh yeah, of the yeah. Grapes. I mean, yeah. usually when when it's sudden when. Uh, when some, I mean, uh, viticulturists or, or, or uh, grape growers, they uh, unleaf, you know, and, and expose uh, clusters, I mean, right. suddenly to, to, to the sunlight. Um, you, sometimes they get, you know, sun, sunburned. Sure. Um, it's, it's normal. It, it's kind of expected. Um, so I was expecting to see that, I mean, that, that kind of symptom. And I see, I saw nothing. Um, so... That was the first kind of encounter, like, okay, uh, I, I thought, okay, this might be on, in the wines then. Right. I mean, if it's not expressed in the vineyard, then I have to, you know, get it in the wines. So we tasted the wines, and they were just fine. They were just as good as the vineyards were. Right. So that was the first thing that, that I couldn't understand. It, it was, I needed an explanation. Right, right, right. Um, and um, so I started, you know, well, the the vineyard, I mean, the the harvest went on, and after the harvest, well, I, I stayed here, and and I started, you know, trying to understand what 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 was going on, and looking at at, at information in the internet, um, I got to this chart, or I mean, the the um, heat wave that hit California in two in two thousand and ten. Right. It was August twenty some in in California, and uh, they got uh, hundred and three in uh, August uh, 23rd. And there were articles written about how uh, damaging that heat wave was. Right. Okay. And so, and some say 
in, in the article that yes, because it was so sudden, it was you know so so unexpected right. that plants weren't prepared, right. and the heat shock genes weren't you know uh, uh, triggered uh, properly, and so they weren't prepared. Right. So I said, heat shock genes, why are they? <laughs> and I started digging, and well, now I know that plants, not only vines, are loaded with these heat shock genes in their DNA, and they're triggered by raising temperatures. Uh, They say uh, they're triggered at 100 degrees, and um, they express heat shock proteins, and these proteins uh, protect everything that needs to be protected. Um, Plant structures, plant uh, molecules, uh, other proteins for certain, uh, all sorts of uh, elements in, in the in, within the cell and within the plant gets protected against the effect of the heat, and this is a, an awesome adaptation. Yeah. Um, so, so there you have it. Here in Texas, as the temperatures go up and up steadily during the spring, they get fully adapted once they reach you know the high temperatures we feel here, and they're just fine. Yeah, uh, and, and they're self-protected. It's a self-protection they right. have they put in place. And again, it's it's uh, not only for for vines. It's I mean, I would say I don't know. Maybe all the plants have have this because I, I've read articles um, uh, talking about heat shock genes and heat shock proteins in all sorts of crops and plants, ornamentals uh, all over the place. Right. So I guess it's, it's some something from 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 the from plants. Yeah. Um. So it's pretty amazing and probably humans too i mean you know, absolutely it, just yes. like the temperature shocked you when you came from winter in chile to the summer in in texas you know had you been here you know you, you develop a, a, a actually um i have got to like it a little you yeah know? sure um i like when when i go out and i i, I just have to use you know short leaves yeah the sleeves uh, um i, I kind of like it it's it's uh, it's nice now it's nice yeah. I, it, it was a shock at the beginning right just yeah. like you know literally <laughs> Um, but, but yeah, I guess you get used to it. Yeah. My wife says, uh, she likes it to be body temperature outside, you know, right, so it's this, right. uh, yeah, comforting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's, that's already <laughs> like 98. Right. right. Exactly. So, yeah. So, um, no issues with the temperature. Yeah. That's, that's the first myth dispel. Do you think that, um, the vine, because of the heat has a potential of maybe putting more, uh, goodness or more, you know, phenolics into the fruit, which is actually the, well, the, the yeah. That's an excellent question because because um, sometimes we think of hot, warm uh, areas and we, and we think of oh, you know, the grape will put more, um, you know, yeah, thicker skin, th- thicker skins, etc. Right. Um, well, you see that that if you if you think of the opposite, when when it's too easy for plants, yeah. Uh, quality is not there. Right. You can get quantity, yeah. but usually not quality. And so when you make them work a little, you know, right. work to get water uh, from the roots to to dig in f- for water, or when you make them work against you know some some elements in, in the atmosphere, they get you know uh, they they kind of work harder. Right. Um, then you get better, better quality. When it's too easy, it's not good right. for for making. I mean, you can make wine, sure. but not good wine. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's definitely related to um, demanding uh, better, better or more concentration from plants. Right. And you know what? This includes not only 
uh, warm weather varieties, but includes all the varieties. Right. Because, I mean, to grow here, you've got to put, I mean, as a, as a variety, you've got to put this in place, the heat jug genes. They get triggered. And, and every, every variety ha- has uh, this adaptation, of course. They, they belong to the same species. Right. So it's not like, um, oh, some will, some won't. Every uh, variety would, would put this in place. So, and to prove that, um, well, I can, I can tell you all morning about how good the white wines are. Right. Um, but I can name you a couple of good um, results that we have got in the recent weeks, you sure. know. Like um, uh, just just recently, we got a, a best white of the show in Houston. Yeah, uh, with the Chardonnay. Oh, wonderful! The Chardonnay. So a lot. I mean, you you say you 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 get a lot of people saying, "Oh, we yeah, we're concentrating on this kind of variety because those are the most suitable for for the weather we have here." Right. Well, uh, I mean, I wouldn't rule them out, of course. Sure. But uh, I think this this um, amount of heat that they've got to be adapted to right. allows other varieties to, to, to come into place. Sure. You know? And we have to remember, or uh, let's say we have to connect the dots of the, or, the very origin of Vitis vinifera, okay. the species. Yeah. Where is it? It's in the Middle East. Right. You know, that, that stripe that goes from the Black Sea, uh, southern Georgia, uh, Armenia, uh, Eastern Turkey, uh, Syria, right. uh, Iraq. That, that's the place where uh, Vitis vinifera, botanically speaking, was originated way before human beings. Right, right. And how's the weather over there? Yeah. Uh, it's pretty yeah, hot. Sure. It, it's, uh, I, and actually, I've, I've got those charts from, from those areas. Now in the internet, you can get just about everything, right? Right, right. So I have compared temperature charts from central Texas, like Llano County, right. uh, with Shiraz in Iran, yeah. uh, just to pick a place. Um, and they're equivalent. I mean, they, they are literally the same. So even, it, even nighttime temperatures um, or, or just the, 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 the we're, we're, t- we're, we're looking at a very similar climate just overall, right? Yes, including the winter, which is important. Yes, yes. Um, that's why I, th- I don't think that the Caribbean is going to be ever, you know, good for quality wine growing because they lack the winter. Okay, plants need to go dormant Dorm. and 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 have a, a good winter, a good uh, cold temperatures in the winter. So um, I happen to have uh, uh, a slide here of that comparison that I can show you. But anyway, uh, I know this is radio. But, um, well, I can I can post something on the blog actually. Uh, I, yeah, I would love to absolutely. post that. Yeah. So it's 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 interesting to to realize that um, you know the first, I mean the not the first, the oldest winery that they have ever dig, in, in you know archaeologists, is is some winery eight thousand years old. Yeah. Like in Armenia, someplace, and this professor um, Patrick McGovern. Uh, was part of that, and, and he he works in the Pennsylvania University. And I asked him, "What was the weather like back then?" Right, and he said, "The same as today." <laughs> so there you have it. I mean, they were growing grapes 
in a weather that, that was very pretty much similar to, to what happens now in Texas. Yeah. So it's remarkable. I think I think uh, it it kind of uh, links us to to the very origin of Vitis vinifera cultivation. Absolutely. Which is, Pretty neat. Yeah. If you're just joining us, my name is Mark Reshep. This is Another Bottle Down, and we're here with Sergio Quadra, who is Director of Winemaking at Fall Creek Vineyards. Uh, if you want more information about Fall Creek Vineyards, they have a lovely website. Uh, it's www.fcv.com. Um, so, so what's, you know, so, so you started digging in, up information on these, these um, heat genes, and then... And then what was next? I mean, w- then did you kind of really want to start digging into the vineyards and, and making the wines? Well, yeah, that, that was in parallel. Um, um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's to finally understand what, what's, what's happening. Right. And, and uh, well, soon after arriving, you realize that plants not only are adapted to the heat, but they w- sort of follow it right. in terms of how how fast they they grow and they develop each season. Um, I arrived here in August one, I mean, early August one, one year, and the uh, harvest was starting. And so we went, you know, in uh, harvesting uh, the hill country grapes throughout August, which is usually like a month earlier or maybe two months earlier than in a cooler region. Right. So in... And, and we know that they start at a very similar date. Sometimes even, you know, the West Coast and, and some areas in the West Coast start even earlier than, than, than here in Texas, which is, you know, kind of strange. Right. That, that speaks about the good winter that we have. Right. So, but they, as soon as they start, they go way faster. Um, so what, uh, what it takes uh, six or seven months in a cooler region, it takes five months here. Yeah. So you really have to be on top of things to in order to to not lose track of, of what you know the plants are are, are doing uh, in terms of you know all the management and all the maneuvers you, you you've got to do in the, in the vineyard. Right. And this is especially critical during harvest. Um, you can imagine that harvesting a Cabernet here in Texas might be, I mean, during August, uh, and, and I, I, I'm talking about the hill country, Yeah. Um, it, it would be the middle of August, maybe late August, so it's a 100 degree day, right. most likely, 100 and some degree day sometimes, 80 degree night, so you can have an idea of the rate of that metabolism in right. the plants. Right. When you compare that to uh, what happens in a cool weather where you're harvesting Cabernet at a 70 degree day, and if you're lucky, a 50 degree night. Sometimes, if it stays uh, cloudy, it, it just happens to be a 60 right. 60 degree day, so right. to speak, throughout the day. So the rate of the metabolism is completely different. Right. Um, if I go to a vineyard in a cooler weather and taste the grapes, and I found that they are unripe, mm-hmm. it would be a waste of time returning the next day because right. they right, would right. be the same. Huh. But here. I have to return the next day because yeah. they may be ready. I mean, I I can find them unripe one day and find them ripe the next day. And if you're not ready, I mean, you have to pick the following at the latest because you, you, we don't have the luxury of waiting a week or even 10 days 
or you know having a guest or returning in a week time to see how things go like what what's the case in in a cooler region we don't right. have that luxury here right so that's a challenge in and on itself do, do you think that that was Um, and, and of course, Texas is still uh, an improving region, I would say. I would oh, say that winemakers are still trying to figure things out. And I think that every year, as I taste Texas wines, they're getting better and better. I'm talking general, generalized yes. here. Yes. Do you think that that's... That that reason that you mentioned and that challenge is maybe one of the one of the reasons that um, we've seen maybe more variable quality because you know. Well, you know the the weather. It's important. It's important to understand it and to try to interpret what plants are doing with that weather. Right. It's important to understand, but it's not all. It's right. it's not everything. It's it's um it is just a, like in any other wine region. Right. Weather it's important, but the most important thing is where exactly you're planted uh. and the vines are planted. Imagine, I mean, um, uh, Burgundy, it's always a good example. Yeah, Because yeah. they, they only grow basically a white and a red. Uh, there are some other reds, but, you know, a white and a red, 99% of the case. Sure. And, and so you have bottles coming from Burgundy that can be retailing for – Ten dollars, mm-hmm. well, let's say fifteen dollars, yeah. and and also bottles for hundreds of dollars, right? And they're both from one variety, right? They can be from the same year, sure. They belong to the same region. Everybody knows what everybody's doing, right. so there, there there are no secrets, you know. So what's the difference? Yeah, we can agree that there's a quality difference between those two wines. Um, we can argue about the price difference, but anyway, sure. we can agree that there's a quality difference. So why is it? Is it the weather? Well, they enjoy yeah, the, the same, same weather. weather right. So, well, it, it, it boils down to the place, the, the specific slot, the specific, you know, you know, little space that those vines are using. And we should say that they've had um, thousands of years to kind of, or hundreds of years to really Absolutely. shake that out, to really, f- to kind of That's the, figure that the out. That's the minor, minor detail they, they have <laughs> on, a, on their side. Right. Um, they pretty much know what to grow where um, or, or what not to grow. Uh, if you travel those areas, sometimes you see cows on, on a pasture and you say, how come they, they don't have, you know, vineyards over there? Well, Probably they've tried and they didn't, you know, succeed. So right, right, right. this is the process that I see Texas doing now, uh, with a lot more knowledge. I guess we don't need a hundred years, um, so we know what to look for or we know what to avoid right. in order to you know, try to match the, you know, the the perfect marriage between uh, the the variety and the specific soil. Yeah. So again, can you give us uh, can l- give listeners a, an idea as to what that looks at from looks like from your point of view? I mean, you are director of winemaking, but of course, your work is tied to the vineyard. And so, are yeah. you are you exploring uh, new vineyard sites? How does how does that look for 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 you know Fall Creek and in your position? Well, uh, one one side of it is understanding what happens in the exist, existing vineyards. Right, right. So you have to because. One one thing is is crucial as I see it, and this is this is debatable, of course. Um, it's uh, how how plants relate themselves with water huh. and nutrients, sure. but water basically. Uh, uh, in going back again, because I, I 
Europe, it's a, it's a good example for many, many uh, angles. Uh, when it rains too, too much, well, the quality of that vintage, you know, falls a little, you know, they, they call it right. challenging vintage, sure. you know. Uh, it's an euphemism um, <laughs> for a very difficult one, right? right. Um, so, but when, when it rains little or, you know, at the right moment yeah. and at the right, I mean, w the right amount, then it becomes a good vintage. Right. So water is extremely important. Yeah. And here in the new world, we have the freedom of irrigation. Right. And actually, um, we have to use irrigation. Otherwise, we couldn't grow grapes. Right. Uh, we just finished, I mean, a couple of years ago, as you know, we just finished a seven or some years of drought. Right. And if you don't irrigate, well, then you cannot grow grapes. Right. Um, the the plant that doesn't need water to grow doesn't exist. Right. I mean, that, that hasn't been discovered. Um, and uh, and so you have to give them water. So it, in, in a way, we have the handle on our side, the, the, the handle of the water in our side, so we can control when and how much to right. irrigate. And the, that fine-tuning is extremely important uh, to find it, and, um, and it varies from site to site. From variety to variety, right. Well, how do you deal with um, sometimes torrential rains? I mean, we we can also get those, and and I understand you know that can be a big problem if you know. As, as an example, in in Cal Northern California, you know, it, it'll rain during the winter, and then you know it's kind of uh, it it can be a little bit more consistent. Whereas torrential rains can present their own mold problems and that sort of issues. That's that's completely true. Um, if it rains like it rained in may for example yeah like in august may 2016 huge right huge rains yeah. that would be that would be you know a disaster right. um well but you know uh we're we're, we're facing that threat uh here in texas uh, uh, as we know and that's why you choose sites that have good drainage condition yeah. both downward and superficial uh. so when um when you don't have the, the drainage condition, you know, then you get the water to stay there. Right. Uh, and plants can enjoy uh, the water all they want. And that's usually not good. Right. Um, whenever they grow, uh, despite of your efforts for them not to grow, then you lose the battle. Yeah. You, you kind of, I mean, you're going to have grapes, you're going to make wine, but that wine is usually not going to be as good right so yes rain so do you see that you see um new vineyards being planted on steeper sites or you know right a little a little bit of of slope is good it's mm -hmm. always good um that that allows you to have some you know uh, natural given, drainage given yeah. drainage right. and then of course as as, as better drainage in uh, downward um there is that's much better even um, even better i would say uh, there's a, a site we have uh, in um, in uh, northwest from Austin, like a couple of hours, and in, in, well, in, in between Lano and Brady, and uh, it looks like a, if you walk the vineyard, you you, you it, it looks like walking on sand. Um, sand is you know the best for for drainage, drainage, right? And it seems like that sand is very deep, and um, because that that particularly um, particular um, vineyard needs to be irrigated way more than others uh -huh. and and more frequent 
uh, just to get him, you know, to grow a little. You know, <laughs> it's it's kind of um, uh, very very well drained soil, and we're getting an awesome quality from that vineyard. Actually, that Chardonnay that I told you about, you know, uh, gaining that, um, receiving that that award, uh, comes from from a soil like that. Okay. So uh, drainage, it's it's key. It's yeah. fundamental. Okay. Uh, and, and that's what you need to look for uh, in any... any do, you, do you see people uh, ripping up vineyards that are on uh, less than adequate sites for drainage or for, you know, for, well, for other things? Um, I haven't heard of that, but it's a natural process. Yeah. You know, any new wine region uh, starts with, you know, vineyards all over the place, right? right? right. It's, it's fun to plant a vineyard you know it's 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 a it's an attractive business an attractive endeavor i mean you right. making your own wine i mean it's know, very sexy it, yeah. yeah it's it's very very attractive so so everybody start you know d- uh, jumping into the business and 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 planting whatever they owned or whatever uh, whenever um you know you know p- soils that they already have basically yeah so after the first and i have to say decade or maybe the second decade of this, you know, ongoing business, they then they start realizing that um, you now they maybe uh, nail it down in one one side, right? But didn't make it in the other, you right, know. Right. And so they start concentrating on the good examples or good uh, um, experiences, and, um, and 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 try to mimic that in other places and kind of forget about the the bad results. Right. So that takes. A lot of time. Yeah, it takes a lot of time. Uh, you know, because all of the combinations too. You have, oh, yeah. you know, orientation of the vines. You have, um, you know, which could be affecting wind or you know playing in with the with the winds. Um, you have rootstock. You have the grape variety. I mean, density of the vineyard. So many variables. That, that's why it takes a long time. Right. Um, but at least we know what to again what to look for or what to avoid. Yeah. Um, and with that in mind, you can speed things up a little yeah. you know and uh, and to, to to kind of aim for for a good result and so i think that the texas wine industry is 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 already going to that direction right. that's why you see better and better wines on Absolutely. a daily basis yeah and that's good um and one one thing that attracted me to to what was going on here to, here in texas not not only the technical side but also in a way you know i was in chile in the my previous 19 years, almost 20 years. And Chile went from being completely unknown in right. the late 80s to, you know, a, a better known area right. nowadays. Certainly a know. world player, yeah. Well, and and just to give you a number, uh, the country grew uh, 60 times, you know, a, a business that grew 60 times in Jeez. exports in a, in a 20-year span. Right. So it was amazing growth. Um, and I was a witness of that, yeah. maybe a player in some, you know, in my position. Um, but uh, I saw that, and and I see a lot of those early moments uh, being coming kind of similar here in Texas, oh. um, uh, you know, Chile 20, 25 years ago. So uh, what I see here is a lot of potential. Yeah, uh, a lot, a lot of uh, things to do. Um, imagine that. Basically, what we make here in Fault Creek, it's sold here in Texas. Yeah. And uh, very little out of state. 
Sure. So I mean, guess what? We have the other 49 states to, to conquer, you know, right, to, right. to, you know, at least try to um, 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 seduce, so to yeah. speak, you know, with, with the quality we're, we're um, having here in, in, in yeah. Texas. Sergio, uh, we need to take a short break. And sure. um, thank you so much for joining us. Sergio Quadra is director of winemaking at Fall Creek. Um, we're going to hear some announcements and be right back. Okay, thank you for staying tuned. My name is Mark Rayshap, and this is another Bottle Down on Co-op Radio. We're talking with Sergio Quadra, who's director of winemaking at Fall Creek Vineyards, uh, about the the landscape of Texas wine, about um, producing wine in a hot in a, in a warm climate area. And I'd like to um, continue the conversation in talking about the world wine production map because um, Sergio has has talked in the past, and and we're talking here that the that the world map of where wine is produced is quite changing, right? Can you tell listeners about that? Well, yeah. Uh, there's a forecast for, you know, climate change, due to climate change. I guess we should start with um, how, how do scientists kind of gauge the, right. the temperatures in a right. vineyard? So each, each day after bud break, uh, each day above 50 degrees right. count as a growing degree day. So a day with an average of... 60 degrees, you subtract 50, so you get 10 de- growing degree days added for that day. Okay. So you build a scale. Of, and that is basically saying that at warmer temperatures, the vine function is happening a little bit, is, is, is yeah, changing. It, well, yeah. it, it, it tells you that above 50, the temperatures are useful right. for plant growth. And the more they accumulate, you know, the faster they, they grow. Right. So... Uh, and, and for viticulture, it was a scale um, uh, made a long time ago by, by Winkler, it's a classic uh, viticulturist in, from, from California. And he, he said, okay, uh, there are five regions, uh, one to five, uh, according to the growing degree days, the amount of heat that each region accumulates over a season, a season that goes from April to October. Right. And... So, uh, like region one would be Champagne, for example, which right? is one kind of, of the coolest cool, areas. Coolest areas, maybe some areas in New Zealand. Um, very, very cool areas. Uh, region three uh, falls, uh, you know, Napa Valley, Bordeaux, uh, that that sort of, of of regions. Region five, an example of region five would be uh, the Central Valley in California, uh, Barossa in in um, Australia. Uh, some areas in, in Chile has uh, level five. So, uh, by the way, the, 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 the criteria used to build these levels, we would need level eight here right. in, in central Texas, right. which doesn't exist. Right. Um, so, now, wh- wh- you know, what's the usefulness of classifying these regions? I mean, would it right, tell because, you? Because uh, it's, uh, the, the conventional wisdom, wisdom say, uh, okay, the, if it's cool, like region one or two, you you're good uh, to grow you know early er, early ripening varieties right. like Chardonnay, Chardonnay, like Pinot Noir, like uh, ba- almost all the whites um, and very few reds. Um, and then if um, if you're talking about a warmer region, you start including grapes that are you know uh, late ripening varieties right. uh, like like Cabernet, like Syrah. Um, well, one of the latest varieties is is Carmener, right. uh, the the variety that that grows in, in Chile, right? 
Um, so, um, kind of with with the with the characteristic of each region, you kind of have an idea of the varieties that can go there uh, successfully. Right. Um, so again, we would need a, a level eight, which is not even on the chart for right. to classify Central Texas. Yeah. So. Um, and w using this this um, scale, uh, scientists have mapped the world. Right. And so when you see the map, the wine regions of the world, uh, and well, the central U.S. is empty. Right. Not only Texas, but the central. It's it's only the the West Coast, uh, the East Coast, and uh, of course Europe throughout Europe, of course, and then Southern Hemisphere: Chile, Argentina, Australia, New Zealand, and South Africa. Th those are the places. That, that have a little, you know, color. Where this has been studied pretty right. substantially, right? Right, because, because uh, places that, that doesn't, uh, that, that would fall, fall into this uh, scale, they're just ruled out. Right. And uh, funny enough. And we will say that then, uh, I will post this, if you'll share this uh, map well, with me, yeah. uh, I'll post it on the, the blog. And, and we will, you know, when you look at this map, there is also a projection of what the vineyards within 50 years right. might be because due to climate change. Right. right? They're, they're forecasting that new areas are going to be you know, available due to climate change. Of course, to the north in the northern hemisphere, right. basically to the south in the southern hemisphere, although... South Africa has a, a pretty hard time, and Australia has a pretty hard time because there there isn't any southern areas in uh, you know south of of them, right. um, and so w what's funny is that uh, they're forecasting areas. For example, in California, they're going to get as warm as Texas is today. Right. So my, I'm, I'm curious to know why haven't they come here? <laughs> and use Texas as a test site, right? You know, to see what California would be in fifty years, but they can have it now. Yeah. So I, I'm just curious, I and mean, it's 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 funny to note that that because we're not on that chart, we're not supposed right. to exist I think, as a wine I th industry. You know? I, I think it, it's interesting to see these projections about oh, okay, so wine country is going to go up to Belgium, Netherlands, and and kind of uh, oh, southern yeah. England yeah. as well. Sure, and then you know Skagit County, uh, Washington, you know Puget Sound, Oregon yeah. wine country is going to kind of go up a little bit. And but you're you're what you're saying is that they're just thinking that they're going to do things the same way, but just more northerly. Whereas right. if 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 their folks are going to continue to to exist and make wine in Napa Valley, say they're going to have to change the way that they're kind of doing things. What would you tell a winemaker? Well, um, I mean, it's easy to come here and right. realize that it can be done. Right. Um, and like we've said, the vines can adapt. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. yeah. We've said that. And let me tell you that, um, you know, the, the scale is built taking into account April and October. Right. And that's why if we, if we take April to October here in Texas, that we fall into region eight, which right, is not existing. Right. But the harvest happens in August. Right. If we take April to August, guess what? We we accumulate enough temperature just like region four and five. Ah. And let me give you another example. This year we harvested uh, Sauvignon Blanc. Right. Um, in July twenty sixth, which we think of as a cool climate variety. Right. And so. Which was growing in a eighth region, right, you know, right. uh, according to the scale. But if you count April until July 26, right. well, guess what? You, you fall into region two. 
Yeah. Right. So so plants are still counting the 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 available temperature to grow to fall into the right you know moment. Right. Not based on on a calendar, but based on temperature accumulation. So the so the folks who are big proponents of cool climate and and for some I'm sure that there are some folks out there are just discounting Texas as it's too hot. I mean, what do you see? You have ex- experience in in both in, in in Texas vastly and then and and vastly in in Chile as well. Um, what do you see on the chemistry side? I mean, uh, the 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 I think the the opponents might say, uh, oh, it's too hot and it'll lose acidity. There's not enough acidity. But you you get to see the chemistry right. and and the Sauvignon Blanc. You, did you it. can you can easily go, uh, you know, too far if sure. if you you know if you just wait too long, um, and get a low acidity juice that you have to correct, right? Uh, just like what they do elsewhere. Sure. Um, and uh, but if you harvest at the right time, uh, and and this this uh, there's another aspect to to the heat. You know, these heat shock genes uh, that express heat shock proteins, guess what? The protein, these proteins are expensive for the plant. Uh, that's why they're not produced if the stimuli is not there. They, I mean, plant know, know uh, about uh, economics and right. they save whenever it's a chance to save energy. So in this case, they have to produce these proteins and, and they're costly. Right. So... Where does that energy come from? Well, energy, the source, the main source of energy is sugar. Right. I mean, the, the production from leaves. So some, some of the production of leaves, instead of going to sugar, goes to these proteins, which are yeah. ba- very complex molecules. And so um, uh, you can have, I mean, as a, as a bottom line, you can have a ripe fruit uh, 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 polyphenolically speaking, you know, right, right. Um, with nice, nice flavors and all that, with less sugar, because some of that energy was spent in other things, other, you know, uh, than than than, than uh, sugar accumulation. Yeah. See what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So the the bottom line of this is that you can have a ripe fruit without the excess of sugar, and also without the lack of acidity, huh. because you're just let me put it and that's not necessarily i think that some folks might say that that's because the vine is shutting down and not producing a, a flavor no. but but no it's, it's they're they're perfectly working, working. they're yeah. perfectly working yeah. they're transpiring they're they're just active uh while they're ripening uh i can see that i mean they they develop on a daily basis right. and it it's not like they're getting into the raising uh you know stage right. no they're perfectly turgid and tasty and nice looking um, all the, the the elements that you find in a good looking you know vineyard right, right. before harvest right so um, but let me put it this way also um, the temperature uh, you know fuels so to speak it's not the right word but but let's say sets the the rate of metabolism so since it's hot both primary and secondary metabolisms, are faster. Right. That's why we harvest in August. Okay. Now, the energy is set. The energy is one. We don't get more energy here 
in Texas because it's warmer. Right. We get the same sunlight, yeah. you know, the same energy from, from, from the sun. So the primary um, metabolism, which is sugar accumulation and acid depletion, right. basically, you know, they, they get to a speed, but since it turns dark at night, it's, it's just set speed. They cannot go any, any faster right. because it's dark. Yeah. See, so instead, the secondary metabolism, which explains the flavors and aromas and the phenolics and, and the tannins and the, how, how tannins are riper, et cetera, et cetera, that secondary metabolism doesn't stop, right. doesn't stop day and night. It, yeah. It's fully functional day and night. So, so it, relatively speaking to the primary metabolism, that is faster. Right. The, the secondary metabolism is faster. So you get riper grape without um, uh, 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 too sweet of a grape, right. so to speak. You know? yeah. Again, that counts. I, I've seen that that, count, that may count for maybe half an alcohol degree, okay. 0. 0.4, 0. 0.3 maybe, 0. 0.6 sometimes. Like right. this uh, Chardonnay that I, that I uh, spoke about earlier. Um you know, it, it might sound uh, difficult for for some people, but it was harvested at at twenty three point two bricks, which is usually not too ripe, right? You know? uh, but it was as ripe as you can imagine. I can show you a picture of the seeds; they're completely brown right. and and crunchy. Um, it was just the perfect ripening uh, stage, yeah. and we just went and. Them, yeah, and know? so and then um, and so does that happen? You know, this process that you're talking about, that you know, does that happen through across the board with varieties, or oh, yeah. or yeah. are some you know a little bit more suited to that situation? Or no, I've I've seen it all throughout the varieties. Right. Um, I mean, every variety works faster here, and you got to be on top of things. Again, uh, you don't have the luxury of waiting. Uh, a week to return to your, you know, because it was unripe one day. No, you have to come uh, the next day. And, um, uh, but you, I mean, as soon as the, they taste nice, right? that's usually not at outrageous sugar levels. Wow. Hence, they're not as super low acidity Acid. levels. Right. So, right. See, they're, 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 because they're, they're combined. Yeah. So, um, no, I think, there's a lot of um, benefits right. from being this hot. Well, there there, there has to be some um, setbacks. You know, no, no, no. Some some like certain varieties are doing a little bit better. But, but well, do you think that's just because no, of the site? It's, it's no surprise yeah. that uh, in general, you know, Tempranillos are doing well. Uh, you know, Syrah's doing well, and all all the Rhone varieties you know, are, are doing well. I mean, it, it's 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 a given. Right. Um, the thing is that we, uh, I wish we don't lose you know sight of other varieties because we can uh, uh, do well with those other varieties. I feel like most people have written off Chardonnay. And, and, oh yeah, and I I keep hearing that a lot, and and uh, results like this. Uh, I mean, on that Houston competition, there were. Not less than other five or six Napa Valley. I mean, right. on that that high price bracket, you know, a category, uh, Napa Valley Chardonnays, uh, a couple of, uh, I mean, three Chablis, yeah. uh, including one Grand Cru. Right. Um, so, and, and we got the best of all of them. So, it, yeah. I mean, it was a, a, a the recognition that that you know. Uh, 
sort and of the, help, and, and, helps proving that, right. that it can be done. And this competition is a big deal. So, well, so, it's twenty eight hundred yeah. samples. Right. Uh, it's uh, yeah. It's a. It, I mean, it, just about everybody goes there. Yeah. And to compete and to expect, you know, to get you know medals. Can I have you um, kind of talk a little bit about the difference between the hill country and the high plains and, and maybe a little bit regionality within the state from your perspective? And, and you get fruit from all over the state, right? Uh, no, no, not really. <laughs> okay. uh, and and um, I, I can speak about the hill country a lot, maybe West Texas, like towards... Uh, El Paso. I mean, towards yeah. El Paso, like because we get grapes from from the Pecos County, right? But not from the High Plains. I have to okay, say, okay, okay. Uh, n- well, for different reasons. I mean, not not nothing nothing uh, in particular. But um, we're we're fine with our sources in the Hill Country, yeah. and um, and so. So about what percent comes from the Hill Country? Well, uh, pretty much what like eighty percent. Oh wow! Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. So. Um, and we're pretty happy with it. Yeah. And 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 we're searching and and currently because um, we have growers and we have growers uh, as we speak the planting great more grapes for us um, in the hill country. Right. So um, oh and I well I I brought a, a an image of of um, of a geological map of basically the hill country. Oh cool. That you can post in the yeah. in the, uh, the blog. website or yeah. blog. It's amazing the 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 clash of soil types or soil origins that yeah. that, that went on here in the hill country. It's pretty pretty remarkable, um, uh, you know. This place being uh, a f- as flat as a table once, right. and then it went up because uh-huh. due to the Llano uplift. Um, have you heard of the Enchanted Rock? Yes, but well, uh, that's tell a, us a little bit about that. I yeah. mean that 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 granite comes from underneath. Yeah. Um, very old soils. I mean, pre-Cambrian kind of soils, which speaks about you know thousands of millions of years ago. Right. Um, and um, and and so it went up, and it break it broke. You know the 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 flat surface on the top. The hill country was created. Rivers went you know all over all directions, and you have the hill country today with, com- I mean, a combination of soils that are. You know, as old as the earth, right? Because they're, I mean, when you find our iron-rich soils, which are reddish in color, you know, those are one of the oldest soils that you can find in, in on earth, yeah. basically. And other other areas where you can find soils that are only a few million years ago right. <laughs> of age. Right. Um, you know, that limestone, which is uh, at, that I think that that's the 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 number one asset. Of Texas, yeah, it's the limestone. Yeah. Um, you know, in Chile, we, I mean, people people make parties when they find some limestone <laughs> yeah. in the soil. You know, it's very scarce, very very. You know, basically, it's un- non-existent. Right, right. And uh, and here we have so much of it. What does it do and, for the vine? Yeah, yeah, I was I was going to that um, vines vines seem to respond to limestone. I have yeah. to say, um, they uh, well, li- limestone soils are. Um, not acid, alkaline. Yeah. In, in the in the pH uh, scale, uh, I've seen analysis uh, going up to eight point two, eight point three of pH. Wow. So that's pretty alkaline. Right. Um, it seems that 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 um, creates some sort of response from the plants, 
um, that then we can taste. Right. It's it's richer mouth feeling. It's it's a uh, flavorful, especially on the whites. I have to say, hmm. um, but um, because uh, what we make out of the uh, West Texas um, Sauvignon Blanc, for example, which I really like, uh, you can you can taste that on the mouth feeling. It's it's so rich and watery, and it's not only acid and alcohol. Um, it's it's something something way richer in, in right. the mouth feeling that I think it comes from from the soil. Yeah, very cool. Um, if you're just joining us, we're here with Sergio Quadra. Uh, we have just a few minutes left. Um, Sergio, any any closing thoughts? Um, you know, as director of winemaking, you you see oversee the whole process from vineyard to winery. Um, you know, what what are some of your m- favorite wines to make, or is it all just kind of each one its ch- its own challenge? And um, you know, what what uh, yeah, what are you most excited about as far just as far as um, either styles? I mean, we've talked a lot about the growing of Texas grapes, but um, we haven't really delved into the winemaking, but. Um, you know, do you have particular flav- favorites, like little babies in the winery? <laughs> well, you know, um, it's like when you ask me about my favorite kid, and yeah. I have five. Right. Um, it's difficult to, to answer. I think it depends on the mood. Yeah. Um, every every wine is fine to make, uh, fun to 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 make. Um, uh, they, they all share uh, little secrets here and there, sure. you know, and, and techniques that you can apply. Um, but uh, what what excites me the most of of being here is, as I said, the potential that 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 I see here in Texas yeah. um, for for the Texas wine industry. We at Fall Creek are trying to to premiumize the, the the image of Texas wine wines. Um, we are trying to feature you know quality. Yeah. Um, out of you know any other consideration, yeah. um, we're trying to um, tell to the four winds that that we can do as 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 good as any other region, you yeah. know, and um, and and so we, and we're trying hard to 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 accomplish this. Um, I think we we have the whole rest of the U.S. to to go and 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 knock doors and 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 sell more wines. Yeah. Um, of course, we need more more vineyards. Yeah. Because uh, and, and that's happening. That's that's I mean, it's a growth we see uh, you know every year. Yeah. Um. So, but I think it's it's exciting times to be to be here in Texas. Um, yeah. Because uh, there's a lot to 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 do. Do you are are you getting together? Are there any initiatives to that are kind of promoting? you know, high quality, clean wine or, you know, because I, I feel like if all producers are making better wine, that helps everybody, you know, and if, oh, yeah. if there's a few folks who are putting out maybe flawed wine or something like that, it does kind of hurt the, the, the image overall. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully, uh, wineries realize that, that, that can be good for, for one deal, right. uh, but not so good for the long term. Right. And so those are naturally ruled out, uh, hopefully, you know, um, but um, another another process of a new wine region, yeah. uh, we spoke a, a little bit a, about it earlier, is that uh, wineries sometimes release wines because they have them. Right. And and yes, this is my whatever Mouvedre, and, and this is what I I did. You right. know, this this is the result, and and so my my 
I don't know, my advice, if I can have one, um, is to, to really assess the quality that, that you're releasing right. before, you know, uh, and, and so because there's only one chance to make the first impression. Right. And uh, you want that impression to be the best. And, and if you're releasing a wine that that's, you know, it, it might be good for you, but but not right. suitable for 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 the consumer. Well, then you you're shooting right to, to, in, in your well, in the old world those wines that, that didn't make the cut by law had to go to the distillery to get distilled yeah i mean i, I wouldn't put it like right, no that's the, an exaggeration <laughs> but yeah, you know yeah, yeah um yeah there's there's a lot of, of self-control needed of course but yeah. again that's that's natural for for any new, new wine region um i, I know people are exciting excited to even have a wine, you know, and 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 so they're eager to show you what, right. what they've been producing. Um, so, but you know, we are for for um, releasing just premium wines, sure. uh, con- concentrated on quality, yeah. uh, bringing the the Texas image as high as possible. Yeah. Um, since we're not in the rest of the U.S., basically. Uh, well, guess what? We have the chance of making the first impression. Right. So let's let's uh, let's have it as as high as possible. Yeah. That's that that would be my my uh, right. idea. For, Take home. Yeah. To, yeah. Well, Sergio Quadra, thank you so much for being here, coming into the studios. Um, we've really enjoyed you. Uh, you'll be able to get uh, this podcast at um, koop.org slash another bottle down. There will be a link there. And I'll also post uh, some of the photos and maps that Sergio and I were talking about. Sergio, I hope to stay in touch and, and to Absolutely. get your, um, uh, we'll get some some of your, uh, you know, uh, a call in from the wine or from the vineyards uh, oh, a, a time or two. An- anytime. Thank you very much for the invitation. Thank you. All right, you've been listening to KOOP Hornsby Austin 91.7 FM and koop.org.